Thanks for doing those readings. Uh, this goes this way. Is that good? I got time to open my Bible now. Well, uh, thanks for having me today, guys. So today, if you haven't figured it out already, we're going to talk about the resurrection. Um, so um, here we go. Well, yeah. So it's such a privilege to open the Bible with you. Um, yeah, just yeah, just wanted to acknowledge the fact that yeah, you guys uh, send me out. I may, you might not have known that before today, but you send me out to be at the uni uh, at Newcastle to be proclaiming Christ there and helping students to know him and proclaim him, and that's such a privilege. Um, and so today we're going to explore that topic, the resurrection, and it's also a privilege just recently um, at uh, something called NTE. That's the annual conference of what's meant to be all of the international uh, student groups, sorry, not the international student, the AFES groups across Australia, across all unis, meeting together in one place, but because of COVID, we, that's not a good idea. So we've done that in regional areas. And so in, uh, in early December, uh, we met together and there's something there we do that's called strand groups. And we look, uh, what we do is we look into a topic with students. I have about 10 students and they look into a topic and the topic we looked into was the resurrection uh, and this has got me quite passionate about this topic um, recently. And I'm going to share a little bit about what we learnt uh, with you today. Well, uh, to help you appreciate the significance of this topic and what we're going to talk about, uh, let's reflect a bit on what a lot of people might be feeling right now. You might be feeling this right now. So uh, how are you feeling at the beginning of 2022? How are you feeling? Just think about that to yourself right now. Well, 2021 was a bit of a nightmare year, uh, a year of disappointment that continues on to this year uh, of COVID hanging around like a bad stain. Well, I don't know about you, but uh, for me, it's the 23rd day of the year and I already feel tired. Uh, I'm, I'm exhausted. <laughs> I mean, it's, let's not talk about getting into this year. I wasn't really even done recuperating from the year we had before. And the rest I was able to have over Christmas, I mean, it was great, but uh, most of all, it just reminded me about how tired I really was. Well, are you feeling the same way as me? Are you feeling exhausted? Well, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, Caitlin, uh, family and me, went up to the Upper Allen region at the Barrington Tops National Park. Rob was there. And uh, so the lovely swimming hole called uh, Ladies Well, you might have heard of it before. It's, on, it's up on the picture there. Um, uh, so as I was there, I sat there trying to relax on the bank of the river and I noticed uh, that our lives are a little bit like a river, right? isn't it? Like a river flowing down the side of a mountain. Uh, uh, so some spots uh, you might notice that it's calm and quiet and the water moves slowly and gently, uh, but not, not for long. <laughs> Just around the bend, there's always a waterfall waiting, isn't there? And suddenly the water that was calm just a few metres up the river, well, it's now a turbulent uh, tongue of tu uh, turbulent water smashing on rocks below. Uh, well, life's like that, isn't it? Life's like a river. It ebbs and flows. We're never given too long to rest before we're stirred up again uh, with no peace. That's what life feels like in 2022. So one moment we're told, oh, there's a roadmap out of lockdown, all these freedoms we can have. Uh, then the next we're told, oh, there's this new variant of COVID 
and we're not likely to get out of this anytime soon. So even the little reprieves that we look forward to in life, like seeing family over Christmas or going on a holiday, well, they just aren't as carefree as they used to be, or what we'd like them to be anymore. With the threat of COVID around every corner, even in your own house. Well, when will all of life's craziness end? Have you thought that? Like, when's this craziness going to end? When will I finally be able to rest? When will I finally be able to rest? Well, I'll tell you what, uh, the rest that we should be looking for, well, it's far greater than any holiday or a change of scenery or even the eradication of COVID and all its variants. The rest we should be looking for and the reason we long for rest is because we look forward to something greater that's coming. A rest that God himself teaches us about in the Bible. The rest of the resurrection. And that's what I want to talk about with you today. The resurrection. The resurrection is the main event in human history. The resurrection of Jesus and all who trust in him is the main event in human history. And if you want to get the most out of life and really relish what it has to offer, uh, then you want to be a part of the resurrection. The resurrection is the true rest that we yearn for. Uh, But why is that the case, you might ask? Why do we yearn for the resurrection? Well, it's because there's a fundamental problem with humanity uh, and a problem that we face as human beings Uh, The Bible teaches us that the world that we live in, well, it's been corrupted. It's been corrupted, not only corrupted, but interrupted, in fact. But not just by something called COVID, uh, but by sin and death, which um, sin and death uh, and COVID falls underneath that. But what's the reason for this uh, this problem with humanity and creation? Well, Well, it's because we ruined God's perfect creation. We ruined God's perfect creation. So we were a part of God's perfect creation, but we ruined everything, didn't we? God made us to be eternal beings, part of God's perfect creation, perfect eternal creation. Um, But we sinned and we ruined everything for all mankind and we brought death into the world. So where we see this unfold is in our first passage in Genesis chapter 3, verse 22 where it says, uh, it's on the screen, if, uh, or you can look up in your Bibles. Uh, and the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So this is after they ate the fruit that God told them not to. So what we see happening here is that God has made the creation, the world and the universe... He made it very good, we learn. And the first humans, Adam and Eve, were made to obey God. Mankind is distinguished and esteemed in God's creation, so much so uh, that the only creatures that are made in God's image. And they're made to rule over all other living creatures. But they're given a a command that uh, God requires them to obey uh, in order to keep Uh, God's creation orderly and in harmony with what God wants for his creation Uh, because them people trusting God is a part of how God is going to keep creation in order it's necessary 
so God um, also commands his uh, people to uh, be fruitful, increase in number and fill the earth, to rule over and subdue all other creatures on earth as his representative. And, uh, and to that, God adds a specific command. And that specific command, well, we're all familiar with it. It is to not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. To not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil or they'll die. You could say that that last command was a test to see if man would trust God. And like I said, uh, man trusting God is crucial uh, for God's creation being perfect and in harmony. Yet mankind, uh, well, he breaks this command, doesn't he? He eats from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, influenced by Satan. Uh, and now he has to die as the consequence of that sin. So not only that, did they disobey God and ruin creation that way, but they're also limited in their ability to fulfill what God has asked them to do. Uh, they can still increase in number, but that's affected because they die now. Um, you know, it's a lot harder to do that. Uh, they can't fill the earth as well as they could because, once again, you, you need to keep creating people to replace the ones that are dying. Uh, and they can't subdue the creatures of the earth because, you know, succession has to happen now because, you know, people, people die and they can't rule on the earth forever. So mankind has now ruined the creation in a huge way by creating disharmony uh, in, a, in a world where disharmony just didn't exist. So here in Genesis 3.22, we see that God is punishing mankind for their sin and rebellion against God. Uh, God says he must not be allowed to reach out his hand to take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So what does this mean? Well, free access to the tree of life or eternal life is taken from them. So God designed man to have eternal life with him in his very good creation. But man sinned and rebelled against God by disobeying his command to not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Man took authority over his own fate into his own hands. There's nothing wrong with human beings being choosing and active, acting and autonomous beings, but this was a bad idea. So God introduces death, though not immediate death, which they deserve, upon mankind. And also to the creation uh, mankind lives in and rules over. It has to die too. And not only did mankind sin that once, um, but despite given, uh, being given moral consciousness, so that's what happens when they eat from the tree, uh, they get uh, consciousness, we're told they're like God, but despite knowing better, uh, they still repeatedly, we still repeatedly and continually choose to sin against God, don't we? In many other ways. So mankind has ruined God's perfect creation. That's what's wrong with the world. Well, what does God do? Does God let creation rot away in its sin like it deserves? Well, astonishingly, no. God has a plan to fix the mess that we're in, uh, that we've made of humanity and the world. And it's what I'm talking about today. It's the resurrection. The resurrection is God's plan to repair his creation. The resurrection is God's plan to repair his creation. So we see this uh, in uh, Romans 8. 14 to 25, Paul talks about uh, something 
Uh, he talks about uh, this fact, uh, if you'll turn there with me. So it says this, uh, Romans 8, 18 to 25. He says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For, in the, creation, uh, for the creation waits an eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from this, its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we eagerly, uh, wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they have already, already have? But if we hope for what we do not have, uh, we wait for it patiently. So what uh, Paul is talking about here is our present sufferings. Picking up on what began in Genesis 3.22, uh, the suffering of sin and death and our limited ability to do what God wants us and made us to do in the world. Paul calls all this the present suffering, the state we're in today. But Paul tells us that there's actually a bigger reality and, and Kenny talked about it earlier, Dan, Dan talked about it earlier. Sorry. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, Paul uh, tells us that there's a reality that drowns out this other, uh, this painful existence that we live in now of death and sickness and suffering. What's Paul talking about? What's so great that drowns out our suffering now? Well, it's the gospel, isn't it? Uh, the gospel makes the difference uh, to this tragic reality we live in of constant death and dissatisfaction, that's its place in creation. Paul says that the suffering, present sufferings, well, they're, not, uh, they're nothing compared to the future things that Christians look forward to, the glory that will be revealed because there'll be a resurrection, a renewal of all things, a time when God will fix the damage that mankind has done to his perfect creation which is all tied up in the revealing of the children of God. So what does that mean? Well, Paul tells us that the whole creation is actually looking forward to this event, the revealing of the children of God. Well, remember I said earlier, all of creation was plunged into death and decay because mankind's sin uh, and, and because mankind is its representative ruler. So death comes to all of creation. Well, so also with the resurrection, the children of God are the first people of the human race, of the creation, to be freed from sin and death and made new, being given new, redeemed, fixed bodies that are no longer subject to death and decay. Bodies that no longer die because of the curse of mankind's sin, because it's fixed. And once mankind is repaired of sin and death, then so will creation be freed from death and decay as well. But as I say these things, you might think, wow, that sounds pretty good, or that sounds like a good story, uh, or a good myth. But you know what? These things have already begun. They've snuck in there under your nose. You didn't know it was happening. Begun by the first fruit the Bible talks about. Well, what's that? What's the first fruit? What's the first sign, the first showing 
to show us that it's all starting to happen. Well, how do we know that it's all happening? What, what sign? Well, that sign is Jesus. Jesus' resurrection. It's a big deal. Jesus coming back to life is the sign that this is all going to happen. He's the proof that the resurrection is happening and is possible. We'll take this example from, from, from life. Uh, so it's like when you plant flowers in your gardens and the buds start to appear. So uh, at the moment, I've planted sunflowers in my garden. And when I wrote this talk, this hadn't happened yet. So I was waiting for the buds to appear. And I couldn't give anyone promise, the promise of that, that there will be flowers. Uh, but now the buds have appeared. I've got a better photo and I can show you later if you like. as proof. Um, the sunflowers buds are appearing. So I know I'm going to have sunflowers. That's what the resurrection's like. Jesus resurrected. Then what God said about him and all the resurrection of all people, it's going to happen. Well, I know my sunflowers uh, don't do the resurrection justice, um, but Jesus rising from the dead shows us what's coming. And it gives all mankind hope. It gives mankind its only hope for returning to how God made creation to be. So here, Paul shows us what the point of all of Christianity, all of the world, is. The hope of a future that isn't dying, futile and dissatisfying. That's what he's showing us, something greater. Well, what does this all mean? What does it all mean? Well, if you trust Jesus to pay for sin and undo its consequences through his death and resurrection then you too look forward to an escape, to escape from this unsatisfying existence in the world. We've all seen how the life in the world is just full of suffering, and these last two years is case in point. It's not that great. And it's going nowhere because of our sin. But if you truly trust in Jesus to pay for your sins and raise all who trust in him, and the good news is that this is as bad as life's going to get. You know, it's only going to get better. That's what you look forward to if you trust in Christ. But there's another side of the gospel. The other side of the gospel isn't as nice. But it's this, and it's true. If you don't trust Christ and in his resurrection, then I'm really sorry, but... This is as good as life gets. It doesn't get any better. It, it gets worse. But if that's the truth, then how can, we be, uh, how can we be prepared? How can we be a part of the resurrection? Well, belief in Jesus' resurrection is the only way to reserve a place in the resurrection. Belief in Jesus' resurrection is the only way to reserve a place in the resurrection, the main event in history. Well, where, where do we see this spelt out in the Bible? Well, we see this really clearly in our last passage in 1 Corinthians 15. If you'll turn over there with me, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 17 to 26, it says this, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins, and those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people 
most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God and the, the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority and power. For he must reign until he has put his enemies, all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. So here Paul talks about the importance of Christ's resurrection in our faith. What place does it have? It doesn't even matter. Well, I think it does. He argues that if Christ hasn't been raised from the dead, then our belief in him, well, it's a waste of time. It's useless. We'd be wasting our time here, people. But it's not a waste. Because if we didn't believe in the resurrection, what would that mean? Well, it would mean that we won't be raised from the dead either. So here Paul highlights the importance of the resurrection to the gospel and indeed the fate of the world. Without it, the gospel doesn't actually offer any hope. Without the resurrection, the world is doomed to die and continue being broken and dissatisfying. So then Paul goes on to show how the resurrection perfectly fixes our world and brings us hope. So we see this in 1 Corinthians 15, 20 to 22. So let's hone in on there. It says this, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. So here Paul explains that just like how Adam brought sin and death into the world that we live in, by sinning through one action, so now Jesus, through one action, comes and fixes sin by dying to pay for all sin. So the one act which brought death to mankind, committed by Adam, is undone in Jesus' one act to pay for sin, all sin on the cross. So Paul in verse 23 talks about how it relates to us. He talks about how those who belong to him, those who trust God to raise the dead and trust Jesus to pay for sin, will be raised later in the same way. Jesus was raised to life. Jesus was raised to life perfect and forever. He didn't die again. And then finally, death will be defeated and removed from God's perfect creation once and for all. So Jesus' resurrection and trust in him, well, it's the only way we can be a part of this resurrection. It's the hope of mankind. It's only available, though, to those who believe and align their lives to Jesus and his message. Jesus is the only tangible solution to sin and its consequences. It's tangible. It's real. It's proven to be effective. It's the solution to death. Not like the other ones we come up with. You know, oh, let's go to Mars. That'll fix death. Let's upload our consciousnesses to a computer. You know, is that a life at all? Uh, well, Jesus doesn't need that because he's proven that he's cured death already. He's proven it by being cured himself, by rising from the dead forever to glory. 
That's what all the fuss of Christianity is all about. It's all about the resurrection and eternal life in God, with God. The implications of this one thing are enormous, so we shouldn't take it lightly. So if you don't understand that the resurrection is actually going to happen and do what you can to be a part of it, then it's a little bit like this. I mean, this example we've just experienced, it's like going to Christmas dinner with your family and then leaving before eating any dinner. I think I, think I have done this in the past. <laughs> when you're young and you've got things to do, I think I went to Christmas dinner or lunch or something and I, I tried to leave before eating anything and my parents, I think they dissuaded me. They're like, no, just, just stay. And thankfully I did. Um, because I would have missed the whole point, right? That's why we gather. To enjoy food together. To enjoy life. It's the main point. Well, just, just like that, life is about the resurrection. It's the main course. It's the best thing happening in human history. And you don't want to miss out on it. And the only way to be a part of it is through trust in Jesus. It's not something you want to miss out on. Well, in light of all these things, how should that change the way that we live? Well, first of all, uh, it means that we don't ignore what Jesus is doing in the world. What the main event is, God is calling all people to be a part of this resurrection. <clears throat> so let it be in the forefront of your brain. Let it be what you talk about regularly. Let it be what you hang your hopes on, what you celebrate. Because it's something worth celebrating. Also, how should it change our lives? Well, we should consider the credibility of God's plan in Jesus. It just makes so much sense. And it resonates with who we are and the way that the world is. It's dying and yearning for something more and it doesn't really offer any hope. But Jesus does. We should remember that this year. We should consider what would be lost if we didn't trust Jesus. Well, we miss out on the main event in human history, the defeat of death itself. Well, you know what? I talked a lot about believing in Jesus, so you resurrected. And we talk about, a lot, that, uh, talk about it a lot that way, and the Bible talks about it a lot that way. But you know what? There's actually going to be a resurrection of all people. And uh, I assure you of that. Um, but the problem is we'll find ourselves in one of two different ways or two different positions we'll find ourselves in in the resurrection. So the first one is we'll be resurrected to live forever with God because our sins are paid for, because we trust in Jesus. That's what we want. But unfortunately, uh, a lot of people are going to be risen this second way, which we don't want. They'll be risen to be judged and destroyed by God for our rebellion and rejection of Him. I mean that we, we don't want to be risen this way because uh, we wouldn't like that to be us. But obviously God has to deal with sin. So what do we do? If that's happening, what do we do? Do we just tremble in fear? Um, no. Well, you need to tell people about the hope of humanity. Jesus, his, his resurrection and ours if we trust in him. That's what life's all about. We don't want anyone to miss out if we can help it. 
Well, let's return to the question I asked right at the beginning. When will we finally be able to rest? When will we finally be able to rest? Well, the answer is, is the resurrection, isn't it? The resurrection is the rest that we yearn for and want deep down. The resurrection is the main event in human history. And God wants anyone who's willing to be a part of it to come. That's what he says in Revelations, isn't it? Come who are thirsty, come. Well, this year, let's be people who are obsessed with Jesus' resurrection. Let, let's let it give us hope, real hope, not just something that's not certain. And let's offer it to anyone we can. Let's offer the hope it gives to mankind. Well, I make a big claim, and it's, it's hard to do in the distraction of the world. Um, but how about I pray for us as we finish that we might do that this year? Please join me. Uh, dear God, we thank you so much for the hope that you give us, Lord. Uh, it's almost too good to be true. It is too good to be true. So, Lord, I pray that you might uh, not let that um, uh, make it something we're not celebrating, we don't understand. Lord, I pray that this year we might come to understand that the hope that Jesus offers us, that's better than anything uh, in our world and even shapes the way that we live. Lord, I pray that you might help us to share uh, this hope with people in the world. They want hope but may we uh, share it winsomely uh, from your word and through our relationship with them, through all means possible, that people might, be able, might come to know you, Lord, and might come to know this resurrection, this rest that we all yearn for. And we thank you for it, Lord, and I pray that we would, um, it would give us joy uh, this year and motivate us to be people who are more in love with you. Uh, we pray these things, Lord, in Jesus' name.